Thanks for tuning into this message from Greenhouse Church. We are continuing our series on the movement. Listen now as Will Jones continues our teaching on the book of Acts. We're talking about the acts of the Holy Spirit, and we're in this series on the movement. I'm so privileged to join with you all today and share on this. And uh, I'm going to be talking from Acts chapter 8, and so we're going to read from verses 1 through 8. And uh, I love what this text is all about. And it's going to be fun. I'm telling you, dive in. And so if you have your Bible, let's go ahead and read it really quickly. It says in Acts chapter 8, verse 1 through 8. It's also on the screen. It says this. Now Saul was consenting to his death. Uh, That's the death of Stephen who had just been martyred, Acts chapter 7. And it says this. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Come on, Saul was going in micro churches. Getting people out of them, snatching them, putting them in jail. And it says this, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere, preaching the word. Then Philip, who was an evangelist, went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing with miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many were healed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Come on, how many of you believe that it could be great joy in Gainesville and several counties throughout Florida as Jesus has preached there? I love it. I love it. And so I want to talk to you from this thought for about two hours, 39 minutes, and 26 seconds. <laughs> Some of you are like, no, no I'm going to eat, brother. Uh, I want to talk to you from this thought, scattered, scattered, okay? And as I was preparing this message, I couldn't help but to think about food. I mean, how many of you know church people just always go back to food somehow, some way? We always, we're, we're in church, we're thinking about food. We get out of church, we think about food. We eat food, we think about other food. And, and, and this just food is, that's why Jesus told us to fast. Not if you fast, when you fast. So fast, remember that. But I love food and I try to eat healthy. I do, I try to eat healthy. I'm not the best because uh, you ever heard of the phrase sweet tooth? Uh, uh, I don't have a sweet tooth. I have a sweet mouth. Okay, and but fruits and veggies, I, I do try to have them in my diet. But as I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about things like bananas. Some, sometimes in certain countries, they call them plantains. Uh, it's from the banana family. In certain countries, they have small bananas and they're sweet. I mean, they're like sugar sweet. And in other countries, they have bananas where they're red and, and different colors. It's amazing. Bananas are such a great fruit. And then you have the fruit of oranges. Come on, this is Florida. Oranges. How many of you love good, sweet oranges? Grapefruits are from the devil. 
Good sweet oranges, man. I love a sweet orange. It's so good. You can just cut it up and eat. It's cold. And then uh, one of the vegetables that I don't really like much, but many many of you may like it, uh, tomatoes. Tomatoes. My dad, that joker, bless his heart, he used to cut tomatoes and put salt on them and just eat them raw. So nasty. Don't do that. Uh, But Uh, One of the things I do love about tomatoes is fried green tomatoes. Those are some good things when they're fried and battered. But I don't eat tomatoes much, maybe on a burger, but I love potatoes. I mean, it's a good baked potato. You're going to have one today after church, okay? It's the good baked potato or French fries. Come on, that's one of the most healthiest, unhealthiest things you can eat. Then onions. I mean, onions are great on making you cry, on adding flavor to food. Onions are always fun. And we can't leave out the wonderful fruit of strawberries. Come on, how many of you love good strawberries? I like to put them on my waffle sometime. Strawberries are great on carbs, by the way, just to give you a heads up. Uh, Smoothies, this is great. And and something that I really love, one of my favorite veggies uh, is the leaf of a romaine in salads. I'm not a mixed green guy. I'm not a kale. I'm not a spinach, baby spinach. No, no, no. Give me some romaine and a Caesar salad. And I was thinking about all these fruits and vegetables. And one of the things that I thought about was these are some of the most produced fruits and vegetables in our country and exported to the world. And I was thinking about that. I said, wow. In context of this scripture that we're reading today, I said, These fruits are so important that they came from somewhere. They all typically come from a seed. Isn't that amazing? The things we eat sometimes daily and weekly in our diet that that we need, that's proper nourishment, they just come from a simple little seed. And it's amazing to think about the power that's inside of a seed. I mean, this is a a corn seed. It's a sweet corn. And and I look at this and I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want the corn. I I don't want the seed. I don't want the process to get the corn. I just want the corn. Right? I I don't, no, 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 no. I don't want, just give me the banana. Give me the potato. I I don't want to do any of that. And so as I looked at this message and I was thinking about the seed, I, I grew a greater love for farmers. Because the reality of it is, is a farmer has to mass produce seed. But a farmer and a gardener are two different things, two different people, how they approach the the, the agricultural realm. A gardener has to be very specific and meticulous. I mean, they can plant a seed about one to three inches within the level or the depths of the soil, about another uh, a quarter inch from the next seed. And they have to be very meticulous as to how they're gardening, whatever it is that they're expecting to get a produce or harvest from. But a farmer, he doesn't approach or she doesn't approach things that way. They actually do what we would call broad sowing. They sow seeds over all the field that they've been cultivating that soil, preparing for a harvest that they're expecting for and to get the produce that they want. And the thing that I learned about farming as I was preparing this message for you all today was this, like, man, if the seed is not scattered, the farmers don't eat. Not only economically, but even physically. They don't eat because if there's no harvest, they can't eat. And I begin to think about that in a spiritual sense. 
if the seed of the gospel is not scattered throughout the world, people will not have an opportunity to have an abundant and or eternal life in Jesus. Just think about that for a moment. The outcome of God's kingdom is that he wants people to worship him, but there's a process in that, and it really starts with the gospel going out with people that have received the gospel, been changed by the gospel, transformed by the gospel, that's spreading the gospel. And as a result of that, then other people who don't know Jesus, who haven't encountered Jesus, who haven't received Jesus, can get an understanding of him and have an opportunity now to eat of him. He's the bread of life. He's the sustainer of all life. And so, friends, if the seed of the word is not scattered by the people of the word, then we're hindering the kingdom of heaven from advancing in our communities, in our nation, in our world. And as we look at our text today, I want you to see the early church because they were facing things that you and I also face today in our 21st century. They were facing things like economic crisis. They were facing things like race and injustice. They were facing things like political pandemics or problems. The Roman government was causing so much problem to the church. They were facing things like wars that were breaking out, that were affecting how they would take the gospel down the Silk Road and other areas in the world. They were facing even Christian persecution for their faith. And so they were facing things just like you and I face today. The reality of it is they had a response that God wants us to see in Scripture that should also be our response. You see, when these things that they faced became distractions or the enemy would use them as distractions, they had an understanding, friends, that they would not allow God's mission to be sideways. They had an understanding that they wouldn't allow the message to be silent. This, this is what the early church understood. They, they didn't care about mask or no mask. They didn't care about who was in office or who wasn't. They didn't care about any of those things that were going on. They were, yes, indeed, important of that time, but that wasn't their focus. Their focus was the mission of Jesus. Their focus was, we got to spread this message because it means so much to the world that if they don't get to know Jesus, their eternal stake is in the balance. And so I love this because as you see the early church spreading the message of Jesus, friends, the enemy was trying to cause the gospel to be smothered. But instead of smothering the gospel, persecution succeeds in only spreading it. And, and this is what God is wanting us to see. You see, let me give you some context here. During this time in Acts, the movement of the Holy Spirit was working and building his church. The day of Pentecost had already come, which we celebrated a couple of weeks or more ago. The church was established, and now the apostles, James, Peter, John, Andrew, Philip, some of these apostles were going out to the areas in Jerusalem and preaching the gospel to the Jews who had not yet received the one true Messiah, the anointed one, Jesus Christ. And so they were preaching the gospel, but they forgot that Jesus told them that the gospel wasn't just to start and stop in Jerusalem. They forgot that Jesus said to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. 
And the Jews were struggling with what I would call a nationalism. They were struggling with something we would call ethnocentrism. They were focused only on their people group, their race. They were focused only on the Jew Jerusalem as a capital city. And they were struggling with nationalism. We see that in scripture because they had division amongst people like the Samaritans, whom we're going to talk about today. And so they were stuck in Jerusalem, preaching the gospel only to the Jews when Jesus said, go. Jesus' intent for them was to be scattered. And then in Acts, as it progresses, we see that there's a problem with this group of people called the Jews, the Hebraic Jews, which were traditional Jews, and the Hellenistic Jews. These were two groups of people. Hellenistic Jews were people that were, in their language and culture, had adopted a lot of Greek, which would be Gentile. And so that was a problem for the Jews because they, they felt that the Gentiles were unclean. There was division there of history since Assyrian and Babylonian captivity. There was history there that caused these two people groups who really came from the same origin to be divided. And so in chapter 6, we see this murmurings of the church that God is starting to do something in the life of believers. And then in chapter 7, Stephen, who's a deacon in the church who's called to serve and he preaches this wonderful message about Jesus all the way starting from Abraham up until his ascension and the purpose of Jesus Christ and his life, death, burial, and resurrection to a group of Pharisaical Sanhedrin people that knew the law but was missing the Messiah. And he preaches the truthful message and then as a result, it gets him stoned. Gets him martyred. He becomes the first martyr of the church essence. And so now this persecution is rising because the people of God are saying, oh man, like uh, uh, we can't just preach Jesus in Jerusalem because there's, there's havoc happening here. Saul is getting people and pulling them out of our micro churches and our homes and he, he's, he's stopping us from worshiping. And, and so they begin to scatter as a result of this persecution and they didn't understand that God was causing them to move from being comfortable to uncomfortable. He was using persecution as a tool to cause them from being comfortable to being uncomfortable. And friends, I want to help you understand something today if I can tell you anything. This type of persecution that was happening in the early church, it's still happening in the church today. We just in America hasn't experienced it yet. Still happening in Iran and Asia and the Middle East. It's still happening in Northern Africa and certain areas of part of the world. It's still happening, but God is not allowing persecution to smother and choke the church. He's actually using it to spread it. And one of the things that I ask myself, friends, all the time is, God, if I'm in a wonderful country that we've been given so many great freedoms and liberties that is not even experiencing true persecution, let me remind you, a political pandemic is not persecution. A mass pandemic is not persecution. A, a, a race and injustice pandemic is not persecution. Persecution is being ostracized and marginalized and tortured and tormented for the faith that you stand on. We haven't experienced persecution yet and so I'm saying God if I haven't even experienced that yet how much more should I be sharing the good news of Jesus because the reality of it is if I'm not living on mission now in freedom 
if freedom gets removed, how much more will I live on mission? And friends, I want to challenge you to think that way. Because God is wanting to do something in the body of Christ globally, even here in Florida, to scatter us to share the message of Jesus. And persecution didn't start. It didn't stop with the early church. It's still going on, as I said, even some history. I want to share with you a story of a, of a man named George Lyle. He was presumably the first missionary sent out from the West as an African-American. And George Lyle was born as a slave in the 1700s, and eventually in Virginia, he moved to Georgia where he would be a slave to his master who was a deacon in the Baptist church by the name of Henry Sharp. Did you catch that paradox? Deacon, slave master. Yeah. And so George Lyle would hear the gospel by going to church with his slave master, Deacon Sharp. But he wasn't allowed to go into the building, so he had to listen and watch from the outside. And every Sunday, George would go to church and he would see, well, well, what am I here for? What is this? And one particular Sunday in 1773, God got a hold to George's heart. He heard the gospel and he recognized that he was a sinner in need of a savior. And he understood what Jesus had done for him on the cross, that he gave his life as a substitute for George's life. He paid the price for his sins that he could never pay for. He died a death that George should have actually died, rose from the grave, giving him an opportunity to put his faith and trust in him and receive eternal destiny, but also an abundant life. And so early in 1773, one day, George said, I need that savior. And he was converted at the church of his master, Deacon Henry Sharp. And George would develop this passion for other slaves that he knew was in the same predicament that he once was before he had come to know Jesus. And so he asked his slave master for permission, may I go out and just share about Jesus with them? And his slave master, being a Christian himself, Henry Sharp, would say yes. And they eventually would actually license and ordain George in this church to go and preach to the other slaves. And unfortunately, the Revolutionary War would break out in the mid to late 1700s. And his slave master would be killed. And due to the system of injustice and slavery that was still happening in our country, the state of Georgia, they tried to re-enslave George Lyle and his family. But he had his official papers and he fought tooth and nail and he felt like God was asking him and his family to flee. And so they did. He found a loan from someone that gave him $700 and he got on the ship and he caught that ship over to the nation of Jamaica. And in Jamaica, he indentured himself for two years to another man as a free indentured servant. After two years, he worked to pay that loan back and started preaching the gospel throughout Jamaica. And history tells us that George Lyle, in his faithfulness to the gospel, reached some over 8,000 people and planted so many churches that those people that were transformed in the nation of Jamaica would eventually help slavery to be, uh, to be broken and abolished in 1863, two years before America's was in 1865. And so you see here, persecution was still happening because they would punch George, they would beat George, they would put him in jail. History tells us for, a, for two years, the three years he served in jail, reaching slaves, they tried to re-enslave him back in the Americas. We see that God was still moving and calling people even in the 17 and 1800s after the first century, but this persecution was constantly going. 
But it's interesting because the Bible tells us that the gospel can never be smothered, can never be stopped. Doesn't matter what the enemy tries. The gates of hell would never prevail against the church. Jesus' church will always, always expand because there's power in the gospel. And we see that in this particular text, friends. I want you to really, really get this. Because what God is saying to us as a body, he's setting us up to see who the early church was in the historical Christianity that we all are following today and how we are to be as believers now. Friends, I want you to understand the power of this text. And so in verse 4, you see the people, it says they were scattered. They were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, this region that Jesus had told them in Acts 1 and 8. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem first, and then Judea, and then Samaria. And they were stuck in Jerusalem, and so he had to tap them a little bit on the behind and say, you got to get going. You you, got to move because the gospel can't be stuck. My church will not be stuck in Jerusalem. My church is not about Jews. In essence, in our day, my church is not about a black church, a white church, an Indian church, an Asian church. Those expressions of the kingdom are great, but my church is about a church of all nations, people of every tribe, tongue, and people group. That's what the church is about. And so Jesus said, I got to get you going a little bit. Let's, Let's put some heat under this. And so persecution arose, and it says that they went everywhere in that region of Judea and Samaria. And as I would think about this, they went in the midst of their persecution. (laughs) I, I, I want you to catch this, friends. They went in the midst of their persecution. Their focus was never, we need to get to safety. Their focus was, we need to spread the message. So while they were yet trying to find places to live, they were yet spreading the message. And I love this because it helps us to see that the people weren't about me first. They were about mission first. They were about the mission of God first. And this word, proclaim or preach the gospel, it simply means to spread the good news. You see, some of us, I think we get stuck with, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a missionary. But these were just lay people. They didn't have a title. They didn't have a position. They were people that had been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it says that they were just spreading the good news. In essence, they were sharing their story of how Jesus changed their life. And let me tell you this today. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know enough of the gospel to share it. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have a Bible degree. You know enough of the transformation in your life and what Jesus has done for you to share it. And so these people were scattered everywhere and they began to spread the message of Jesus. And this this word that they use in the Bible about the good news, it's, it's a verb and it, it it's where we get the word evangelism from, but in the Greek, it's really interesting. It's euangelion, and it basically means a messenger of good news. In that word, angelion is where we get the word angel from. And so an angel in the Old Testament or even in the New Testament, they would always bring a message. Typically, that message was a message of good news on behalf of God. 
And so where we get the word evangelism from, it's actually a message of good news. And what's the good news? That Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection has came to pay the price for the sins of the world that separate us from a holy, loving, perfect, and yet just God. That if we put our faith and trust in who Jesus is, then we can have an abundant life on earth and an eternal life one day with him. And so, and so this good news is what this early church was spreading. They were spreading it. If, if we were modern days, they were spreading it on their job. They were spreading it in their neighborhood. They were spreading it at their universities. They were spreading it at the book club. They were spreading it at the gym. They were spreading it as they were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And, and the content of their message, let me say this because it's very important. The content of their message was Jesus-centered. You know, sometimes people say, hey, what's the gospel? God loves you. That's awesome, but it's not the gospel. Uh, what's the gospel? Man, God died for your sins. Jesus died for your sins. That's awesome, but it's not the full gospel. They were preaching the full gospel about the life of Jesus, about his death and why he was crucified, about his burial and what that meant, about his resurrection and what that gave us life for. They were preaching about him as the judge of the living and the dead that would one day come back and judge the world. And if you didn't know him, you would spend eternity away from him. If you didn't know him, you would spend eternity with him in a place called heaven. They preached the full gospel, friends, and they weren't theologians. They were just ordinary believers. Ordinary believers. I love it because we see in Scripture that God setting us up as his church. As he's left the Scriptures for you and I to be inspired by our brothers and sisters who are now in heaven as a great cloud of witness rooting us on. Keep going. You got this. Share the love of Jesus. Pertaining to our faith. And sharing it, there's this quote, and it says this. God will use, can use anything except your silence. Just think about that for a moment. In pertaining to sharing your faith, God can use anything you do that would bring him glory except your silence. He can't use your silence. Some people have this mentality that, oh, I'll just let my life so shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Oh, this little, that's awesome. But if you don't share Jesus, people can't know Jesus. If you show Jesus, that's only a part of the Jesus in you, but you got to tell them about Jesus so they can fully get to know him. You can't just show Jesus. You got to show him and share him. And this is what the disciples did. That verb that they, that they used about the good news and preaching the good news, it simply means this, to publicly announce religious truths and principles while urging acceptance and compliance. Friend, we live in a world that people don't want to comply to anything. If you tell me I got to comply, I'm offended. If you tell me I got to follow this rule, who are you? But I'm going to tell you one thing we got to listen to is Jesus. Because it says there's no other name given on the heaven by which we must be saved. It's Jesus. You cannot come into the kingdom of heaven without Jesus. You, you will worship him. You'll either bow down one day and you'll confess him one day, as the Bible says, because he's Jesus. He's Lord of all. That's one thing that we have to all comply to. That's one thing that we'll all be held accountable to is the name of Jesus. And this is what they preached. 
They weren't worried about people who would stone them, who ridiculed them. Throughout Acts, you'll read it as you're going through it as a church. You'll see. And some believed. And many believed. And some didn't believe. It wasn't up to them for who believed. Let me help you get free today if you have an issue with sharing the message of Jesus. You're not responsible for saving people. You only are responsible for sharing the message that saves people. You're not responsible. You don't have to carry that burden. And these people, they, their success in evangelism, you know where it came from? Sharing. Their success in reaching people, it just came from them sharing. God did everything else. He did everything else. And so we see that these people proclaim the word of God. And I love this because we, we see what Luke, the writer, is doing. He talks about this persecution and then he helps them to understand the place that God was scattering to them. And then all of a sudden he talks about the proclamation of the message that they're proclaiming that's reaching people and saving people as Jesus and the Holy Spirit are working together to bring conviction and bring them into the kingdom of heaven through repentance. And then he talks about the power of the gospel. Listen to what he says. I want you to hear this. Check this out. This is so fun. He says this. Verse 7. Verse 6. He says, And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, and hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits were crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed, and the lame were healed. <laughs> As I read that, Pastor Mike, I was laughing because I could just imagine being in this place in Samaria with Philip. I, I was literally trying to enter the text. Like, I'm, I'm going to jump in the text from the first century of and, 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 and what, what was happening during this day. And, and I can see Philip preaching this Messiah about Jesus and demons. <laughs> Some of y'all are scared. And, and, and people, in the name of Jesus, you be healed. And people that had tumors, leave. People that were lame, that had been paralyzed for years, all of a sudden had a power in their limbs to start walking. That amazing? And friends, that didn't stop then. It's still possible now. Why? Because Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And do you know how he's spending his eternal time? He's spending his eternal time praying for you and wanting to send the power of Holy Spirit to you so that he can continue to confirm and affirm that he's not dead. He's still saving people. He's still healing people. He's still freeing people. He's still rescuing people. He's not dead. I love what happens in this text. Philip is just an ordinary man. He was a waiter at Cracker Barrel, if you would have it. He's waiting tables. That's what he was doing. It'd be equivalent to serving at the door, helping put the pastries together in a coffee shop. That's what he was doing before God gave him this ministry as he was sharing the message. You see, sometimes we spend all of our time trying to specialize in the ministry instead of just serving in the ministry. We want to be this. God just said, no, 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 just follow me. I know what I got for you. I know what I'm going to call you to do. I'm going to raise you up, but you just follow me, just serve me. 
And these early church believers, that's what they did. I love this because we see Philip here. He's preaching the gospel. And this is what I love about this. It shows us this is a principle here. Miracles were the result of the message. Miracles didn't just happen because we need to see a miracle, God. Miracles came as a result of the gospel message. Friends, it's a simple quote. Reinhard Bunker used to say, if you want to see what the apostles saw, then preach what the apostles preached. It's very simple. The gospel message has power in it. How do we know it? Because Jesus told us in Acts 1 and 8, right before he left, to give the fullness of the Great Commission. But you shall receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem. That's where it started. And in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see, Jesus had an ideal for them to go from Jerusalem to to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. But they were stuck. And so he used persecution. He had already sent the Holy Spirit. So they had been empowered to be his witnesses. And they were starting that process. But he was saying, nope, there's more. I'm scattering you because there's further places to go reach. There's remote places. There's desolate places. There's nations. There's people groups. There's tribes. There's tongues that don't know my language. They don't know who I am. I'm scattering you because all people have to hear the gospel. That's why he said in Mark 16 that you are to go. He told his disciples, go to all the world and preach to every creature. To go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that's just what he was telling them. Don't miss nobody. (laughs) If you see them, don't miss them. If you go to the bank, hit them up. If you go to Target, get them. If you go to Publix for that fried chicken, get them. If you go to the barbershop, get them. If you go to the beauty salon, get them. If you go get a mani and a patty, get them. That's That's what he was telling them. Everywhere you go, spread this message. The moment I got a time with you, I'm gonna give you Jesus. And friends, I wanna just help you understand, that's how the church grew. It grew daily because people were in their bath. Just imagine people were baptizing people in the back of the rivers. Let's just imagine if you're in your micro churches, you can start reaching people at your job and start inviting them over for coffee, start inviting them over for pastry, start inviting them over for dinner, start bringing their kids over. And Jesus would start filling their hearts with his love and bringing conviction. And you would start baptizing people in your bathtub. You don't got to bring them to church to baptize them. You can take a picture. Pastor Mike, Pastor, Pastor Matt, we got a micro church going on here. We got three people getting baptized in my bathtub. Come on. That's the early church movement that's how it was growing and friends we we can do that today we can do the same thing and we see that the power of the holy spirit was moving how do we know paul even said in first thessalonians 1 5 he said for our gospel did not come to you in word only but also in the power and in the holy spirit Friends, I want you to let I want to let you know if you preach the gospel, you can expect Jesus to confirm it. Either to bring somebody eventually to know him, or he'll perform a miracle that'll open up their eyes and heart to help them to see that he is who you said he is. I promise you, he'll do it. We were in one of our mission festivals that you may have noticed on the on the screen in the video. We were in one of our mission festivals and we were praying for a young boy who was deaf since he was about two years old he was about six or seven at the time we started praying for him and his mother came to us and she said he 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 has never heard since he was two something happened i don't know if it was the witch doctors she said that that i was seeing i don't know anything i don't know if it's an illness he has she said but he cannot hear and he's about seven or eight now 
And we were preaching the gospel and so many people were getting saved. Muslims were coming to Jesus and, 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 and it was just such a joyful time. And this young boy at the end, he came up and it was so sad. He couldn't talk, articulate to us. And I, me and my friend, we were praying and I said, I'm a, we're going to call on God. Because we've preached the gospel and he said his gospel doesn't come in word only. It comes in deed and power of the Holy Spirit. And so we laid our hands on his ear. And we said, in the name of Jesus, Father, now, open up his ears. Ears, I command you to be open under the authority of Jesus Christ. And we prayed nothing happened. Dang. Maybe we don't have power. Maybe we don't have authority. Maybe I got to fast for 50 more days. But I remember, man, Jesus prayed two, three times. Oh, wow, the guy's eyes wasn't clear yet. He prayed again, didn't he? Jesus did. What did he do? He was connecting us to his divinity. So when he prayed again, in the name of Jesus, I command your ears to be open now. And that little boy stepped, did his head like this. And a stone came out of his ear. And he said, ah! He started talking. Ah! In his language, ah! And we stepped back and the crowd just erupted because they had never seen anything like that. In the moment, the moment that healing happened, I stood up again as an evangelist on the platform and said, the power of God is declared in his word. Jesus said, I'm the God that heals you. I'm the God that takes away your disease. And, and, and Jesus started healing people as a result of that young boy. And the stone coming out of his ear and he started to hear clearly. We put him on the stage and we clapped. How many times? He clapped. Put him back further. We went over to the other side. Of the whole, it was, we were outside next to a Muslim mosque. This is crazy. Clap. He followed us. We said a word. He said a word afterwards. Repeat. God completely opened his ears through the power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit. Friends, Holy Spirit is still moving today. He's still working today. He's still wanting to work in you and through your life. Not so that the miracles can glorify yourself, but so that the miracles can bring glory to the Savior. That's, that's what Jesus wants to do. It's almost as he's like, hey, I'm in heaven spending my eternal time praying for you. And when you preach about me and when you tell people about me, I'm in heaven. But Holy Spirit is down doing the work of God, accomplishing the word of God that will eventually fulfill the will of God. And I'm doing the work, showing people that I'm still alive. In his essence, I'm still here in the form of Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is wanting to do through us. And so I want to help you, encourage you today, inspire you, friends. The Lord is wanting to work through and in your life as he scatters you to share the word of God, to preach the message that has changed your life and that can change your life. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this sermon, be sure to click that like button. It helps others find our videos. You can also post a comment about your favorite part of the message. Another way to connect is by subscribing to our YouTube channel. I hope your week is wonderful. Live green.